There are few things that make people successful. Taking a step forward to change their lives is one successful trait, but it takes some time to get there. How do you move forward to greet the success that awaits you? Welcome to Next Steps Forward with host Chris Meek. Each week, Chris brings on another guest who has successfully taken the next steps forward. Now, here is Chris Meek. Welcome to this week's edition of Next Steps Forward. I'm your host, Chris Meek. As always, it's great to have you with us again. Our guest today is coach and lifestyle medicine strategist, Dr. Pat Boulogne, and today's conversation is going to be about diet, proper sleep, science-based solutions to good health, and identifying and addressing our weakest health links. Dr. Boulogne, welcome to Next Steps Forward. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. Dr. Boulogne has more than 30 years of experience in the health wellness profession. She has extensive training and expertise as a doctor of chiropractic, certified functional medicine practitioner, certified chiropractic sports physician, acupuncture physician with special focus on the application of lifestyle solutions, and accompanied by additional training in rehabilitation and functional nutrition. Doctor, what am I missing? What else does our audience know about you? Well, one thing I like to do is I like, when I wake up in the morning, I'm always looking for ways to solve problems, make sense of confusing and challenging situations for people, and find a better way that's simpler, which not necessarily always mean that it's easy, but faster so that gets people unstuck and with measurable results. If you've got a problem, I have a solution. As we talk about health, it probably makes sense to talk about the big picture and the problem first and then narrow down to specific topics and solutions. So if you were grading Americans' overall health and wellness, what grade would you give and why? Well, when I first read this question to myself and thought about it, you know, I thought, hmm, you know, an F. <laughs> and, you know, and then I thought, well, let's not be so harsh. And, um, but I think people take a very mediocre, um, you know, interest in their health. Um, they say they want health, but they're not willing to do what it takes to be healthy, and they're not willing to do open a book and or you know or find the right person to work with so that they get better information so they can make better decisions. And would you give them an F because of COVID nineteen, or would it be the same prior to the, the pandemic? Oh, it definitely would be the same okay. <laughs> prior to the epidemic. One of the things that I notice always when um, I used to walk around when I lived downtown Boston um, is that. Um, I would always say to myself, God, these people are so sick. They don't even know it. And you could see it in there, the texture of their skin, the, their coloring. Um, you know, and when I, I would go to the gym every morning um, at 6 o'clock, 6.30, and I'd see all these maniac financial people <laughs> there on treadmills and everything. Like, they're not even up. <laughs> so, you know, except the ones that had to be, in, you know, in connection with people from Europe, you know, who the market opened so much earlier there. Um, but it's just like, I just saw so many stressed out people and they're trying to like, if I work out, then obviously I'm healthy. Um, but, you know, then you'd see them later on eating something that you just had to like, you know, shake your head at and just not say a word. <laughs> the, the bagel with cream cheese uh, kind of defeats the purpose of the treadmill. Oh, for sure. Especially and those were in the um, in the pool room, in the coffee room next to the pool room, along with muffins. And of course, they had, you know, like yogurt and they had cheese and things like that and orange juice. And it made it feel like you were doing something healthy. But bagels probably were but their highest on the glycemic <laughs> index. It's not the way to start your day if you don't want to have brain fog. <laughs> 
So I think so many people are conditioned by the television commercials we see just constantly telling us, you know, ask your doctor for this medicine or that medicine. Do we rely too much on pharmaceuticals that are so complex that we can't even pronounce their names? True. <laughs> if that was a true or false test, like that was, that would definitely be a hundred percent. There's so many times that, you know, I, you know, I don't watch a lot of TV, but when I watch TV that has commercials and pharmaceutical drugs come up, I'm thinking, what is the meaning of that drug? You know, what's this purpose? And most importantly, what are the side effects? And the side effects, you know, they say them so fast that if you can listen that fast, God bless you. I don't know anybody who can listen that fast, but I always catch the last word that they say, which is death. <laughs> so, and so you've got to take a look at, you know, the side effects of something and how it interacts with other foods and also other drugs. That's really an important thing that they don't really go into too much. So maybe they should talk to their marketing people and move that word death further up in the conversation so we don't pick up on it at the end? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like I pick up on it no matter what, but I'm just tuning into that. But the, uh, but when I I'll listen to, you know, a drug and I'm going, well, it's supposed to do this, a lot of drugs will actually, or medications will actually give you what you're trying to avoid ultimately. There's a list of, you know, cl- there's classes of uh, interaction lists, you know, and you know, how, how does a drug, you know, interact with on this level? And then you have, you know, side effect levels. It's, it's much more complex, you know, than that. And, and usually when you go to a pharmacy, you're just getting a simple, like, summary. And you're not getting the insert, which you should always ask for the insert in the box, no matter what medication or vaccine it is. You should definitely be looking at that insert and reading the whole thing. So where do you draw the line? And maybe more importantly, where should we draw the line when it comes to taking painkillers, for instance? You know, what is the proper role in our health and wellness? And where does modern medicine go over the line from your perspective? Well, a lot of times, you know, um, you know, you know, in regards to where I draw the line is I just don't take them. <laughs> Unless I, it's like I'm, you know, I had knee surgery and um, I made it 36 hours without taking any meds and that. And then I went, I'm done. You know, and then sometimes that you need to do it, but the idea is not to do it forever. And and so a lot of medications are made for really short term because long term problems is that you start having a side symptom. And then when you report that side symptom to your physician, then that physician gives you something for that symptom. And then, then for the next symptom and the next symptom, and pretty soon you really don't know what's really going on. So it's just like there's a lot of organ systems that can be affected from that. Um, and so I think modern medicine goes way too far and they give out a lot, you know, even, you know, I think a Time magazine, I don't remember uh, what year it was, it says antibiotics. They realized that they were making people immune to everything so that they kept on trying to find a stronger antibiotic and a stronger one. And that's when physicians started saying, no way, Jose, they're not giving those out as, you know, as eagerly as they did before. And you also have to understand that when you take an antibiotic, I mean, it's killing everything. It's that it kills the good stuff and the bad stuff. And you need that combination of both to keep that balance within the body. You know, certainly there are times when pharmaceutical painkillers are necessary, like for example, your knee surgery. They're also natural painkillers. They're not addictive and can address specific aches and pains, aren't there? And can you share some examples? Well, I mean, some of the things that, you know, go in that line for that I think of when someone says they're in pain, I usually tell them to first watch their food. 
And, you know, because some of the foods that they eat can um, aggravate the pain cycle and inflammation cycle. Um, you know, some pain things that you can use, you know, that will relieve pain are ice, calcium, magnesium, turmeric, things like that. Um, being hydrated um, is an important, I'll say that a lot today. Um, hydration is, is really quite important. Um, and, you know, and, and you really have to look at the, the, how you combine foods together. Because some combinations of foods can leave you being a, a lot achier like the next morning. So I, I'm always, you know, asking my uh, clients to, when they have something going on, to take a look at that. And, you, and you've got to also take a look at the gut. Yep. We get back to, you know, the prescription painkillers just for a quick second. Sure. You know, the, the doctors are handing these out like Pez dispensers. You know, are they the ones responsible for, or a big part of at least you know, the, the opioid crisis we're facing right now? Um, I believe they are. They, you know, when you're giving out something that people have the ability to get, you know, um, addicted to on some level, I mean, even the, like, you know, CBD, you know, or, or like the, the uh, medical marijuana um, is, you know, when you're using that for, you know, and relying on it as your key way to get rid of pain, then you've got to ask yourself, what's my addiction level? You know, and how is that interfering with, you know, my relationships with myself and other people? And, you know, sometimes we have that veil that we pull down, you know, um, and it, or, you know, what I, my mentor used to say, being in denial isn't always pretty. <laughs> and so, he, you know, and then, but when you get into that mode, you have to, you have to um, take a look at all the aspects that are involved in that. You know, I guess maybe one more question in terms of the, the opioid epidemic crisis, whatever we want to call it right now. You know, we know that today's mental health, as you mentioned earlier with everybody during the heart of the pandemic is really going down the tubes mm-hmm. and people are anxious, they're depressed, uh, other things are bothering them, looking for more medications from their doctors to help them get through this. You know, what can we do as society to, to help slow this process and then, you know, right the ship in terms of this opioid crisis? Well, you first have to care about your health and you, you, I think is the first thing. And the second thing is you have to to really take a hard look at, um, you know, our, you know, we're such a, like a, a disposable society. So it's just like, if I can get it in a pill form as opposed to in a herbal form, then what, you know, like, why can't I just do that? And so there's a lot of you know, the, the ease of access to a lot of prescription drugs and also over the, you know, over the counters um, are significant. I mean, I've, I was in a, the first time in probably six months in like a CVS type store. And I'm always amazed when I go down the aisle and I'm looking at aspirin versus et cetera, and versus, you know, Advil, you know, and you also, in Chinese medicine, when I studied that, it also, I always looked at the, um, on the back on the label where it tells you like, beware, it could affect the liver or beware, you know, you could have, you know, kidney failure. Well, if it does, that's the better area for those type of um, over the counters, you know, because they're affecting like, you know, the liver's on the upper part of the body, the kidneys are in the lower part of the body. So, um, but you just have to be really mindful about how you take them, you know, with what food, um, and because there's interactions with just normal everyday food. I mean, some restaurants, when they cook and they use herbs for cooking, they think they're doing something great. But the next day you wake up with a food hangover. <laughs> it's like, you're thinking, wow, that wasn't good. <laughs> so it seems like everyone wants to avoid growing old. 
you know, someone who turned 50 a few months ago, I'm certainly in that camp. I think I'm 25 still. What's your perspective on the aging process? Well, people, you know, uh, the eighth, I look at people and, um, and I'm, I always am looking at their face and what my, if you eat well, you will not age as fast as other people. They have, you know, the, when you take in nutrients and your nutrients are utilized in the body correctly and your body's functioning the way it should function, then those nutrients nourish every cell, organ, and tissue in the body at some point in time. In some way, it's how it's assimilated. So before we discuss the positive things that we can address to be our healthiest selves, let's talk about the things that negatively affect our health. You say that our environment plays a big role in how healthy or sick we may be, COVID-19 aside. Can you take a bit of time to go into that subject of environment and health? Sure. Um, the, you know, there's three reasons basically why people get sick. The first is trauma. And that usually starts at birth. Nine out of 10 children who are born has some type of cervical injury in their neck, which creates inflammation. And the common denominator in many uh, chronic illnesses and diseases, as even well pointed out on Time Magazine and by the medical establishment, is the surprising link between inflammation and chronic illness and disease. And so the environmental aspects of that come into play with toxins that are in our air that we breathe, the water we drink, you know, the you know, um, you have um, the cleaning things that you use in your house, gardening, you know, um, like fertilizers and things like that. And you have perpetual exposure to that. And if you don't have a green environment within your house or minimizing that as much as possible, then you have that toxic exposure. And those toxins accumulate over time. Everybody in the United States has lead, you know, or heavy metal exposure, if you test anybody's blood in the United States, it is said that everybody will have some level. It will show up. So where did that come from? You know, you have to, you know, and then, and like, why is it being used so easily in, um, you know, around the United States? I had property in Oklahoma at one point in time that there was smelt mines for zinc. <laughs> I'm thinking, what were, you know, and I didn't know that when I bought it, that was never disclosed. It was a big issue, but it's just like when, how it got, and it got resolved because they had to do remediation, but it's costly, but it's, it's everywhere. I mean, you see chemtrails in the sky, you know, and, or you're sitting in a heavy traffic with exhaust fumes right in your face. Um, you can't walk around with a, you know, an oxygen mask on, but the, it's prevalent, you know, the toxic part of it. And then the third T in that, um, the three T's that make you sick are your thoughts, you know, and when your thoughts, if people don't have a handle on their thoughts, they will ruminate and that will affect you physically in your body and how your body functions. You know, just think about when you're upset, you know, and you try to eat, you just like the food just kind of just sits there, you know, until, you know, until something changes and until you move. So what should our listeners be thinking about in their own lives when they work to determine how their own environment may be influencing their own health and wellness? I think they need to take a look at, um, you know, at what environmental things are around because a lot of people are, are not, um, are, are, they're not aware of that. They don't take the time to pick up a container and look at what chemicals or, you know, what's in a bottle of, you know, Windex, let's say, for instance. And, and then looking up at like, well, what is that? I can't even pronounce it. So what is it? So like, you know, Google search it and then, but don't just Google search the, the I, item, Google search it in relationship to what are the side effects of that? 
you know, there's an app that I use called Think Dirty. And Think Dirty doesn't have an extensive list, but it has a list of things that I can take and barcode things that populate. And people who have submitted um, items to them, you can see exactly how carcinogenic or non-carcinogenic and how, you know, how, what, a, what a plus they are or not in your environment. You note in one of your books that there are five pillars of health, yes. diet, nutrition, exercise, rest and sleep, mindset, and structure function. Most people would name the first three, but likely not the last two when thinking of good health. Well, you know, the last two in that uh, scenario, you know, people, you know, think that if they have nutrition, if they have, um, you know, if they, when you ask people what's health, they usually say nutrition, exercise, and sleep. So, um, which it's a fallacy because if that was the case, it's much deeper than that. If that was the case, then if I cut my finger, all I'd have to do is eat a sandwich, you know, a nutritious sandwich. I could go take a nap and I could go take a walk and my finger should be healed. But that's not the case. You know, when I'm looking at the five pillars of health, I'm looking at diet and nutrition. And there are two separate things under the same umbrella. Because you can have a diet, doesn't mean you're nutritious, but you, the nutrition component of that's really important. And exercise, you got to move or you're going to die. My second patient ever always said, like, I said, what do you do for exercise? She goes, I water my, you know, my garden. How many plants do you have? She said 150. I went, so you go in and out of your house 150 times in a day? She goes, I do. I said, what do you use to plant to water them? She goes, my Dixie cup. That was in Atlanta, Georgia, when I was in chiropractic school there. <laughs> um, but I just thought it was really, you know, funny. I'm thinking like, oh, here's a woman who's 92 years old coming to chiropractic care. And I'm thinking she must have done something right for 92 years. But her neck was bothering her. And she just wanted to like have, you know, wanted to make an afghan and wanted to get past the second row when she was doing her knitting, you know, to be able or crocheting whatever she was doing to make the afghan. Um, so it's, you know, that exercise part of it is an integral part of being able to move. It helps things function. It helps circulation. It does a lot of great things. And sleep is a huge component um, of health. If you don't have sleep, then you're not going to digest your food. You're not going to be able to sleep or, excuse me, exercise without getting the accident. But the last two things are the positive mental attitude, which is the mindset. And because you've got to think positive. You've got to think as the glass full not half full, but somewhere between full and full, in a half full and full. And you also, the structure function is the biomechanics of the body. You have to have good posture. If you don't have good posture, you're going to have faulty, you know, mechanics. And so when you have faulty mechanics, it's like a car that has a slow leak on one side and it keeps on wearing that one side down. Your body does the same thing. So that's how all five of those pillars will connect with each other. And each one of them is, is a part of the pie or the part of the puzzle, whichever you would like to use. So I'm like you, and I like to think of the glass at a minimum half full. You know, hopefully it's mm -hmm. overflowing more often than not. You know, given again, the global pandemic, COVID-19, folks of all lifestyles, ages are struggling. What are some things we can do to kind of help right that ship in terms of getting on the, the right positive mental health track to get that glass half full or fuller? Well, you first have to know where your uh, what your health is doing at a given time. That health snapshot. So, in my book, "Why Are You Sick, Fat, and Tired?" It's a questionnaire that is a survey of each organ system, 
and the organ systems work together like a Swiss watch. And so when you have that Swiss watch working correctly, everything's functioning in the way that it's supposed to. But if there's a portion or one organ system that's off, it will affect another organ system and how well it's functioning. And so it's important to have that, those components pieced together in a puzzle and all working. I've heard that people who are recovering from COVID or have recovered from COVID have sleep issues, such as insomnia. Mm -hmm. What do you make of that? And is that unusual after experiencing a significant illness or virus? Well, you know, something when I, you know, in thinking about that is in Chinese medicine, um, they always say that the kidneys grasp the energy of the lungs. You know, they call it qi is the energy and it pulls it down. So when it can pull it down, then you have pooling or like stagnation of the function of that organ. So if the lungs are not functioning at the way they're supposed to, then you're going to have more fluid, you're going to have more phlegm, you're going to have more coughing. You know, so if you can get the kidneys to do their job, then the kidneys and the lung have a very specific, you know, connection. I mean, you know, at any time that you get a cold, you know, and that type of thing, you'll go to the, uh, you'll be peeing quite frequently, you'll be urinating quite frequently. Um, and it's because that's, that's what the kidneys do. It's like pulling down that extra fluid so it can get it out of your system through your bladder. So, and so that interferes with sleep. <laughs> so what can we do to get better sleep? Are there different rituals we can have, you know, a, uh, a more constant you know, calendar? I have been talking about sleep for the last two weeks. So this is, <laughs> I, I'm really excited to talk about this. You know, the, there's, you know, sleep does so many things. It's anti-aging, you know, and there's rituals, you know. So if, if you, the average amount of sleep that the person, adult should get is between um, seven and nine hours. And if you have that seven to nine hours sleep, then, and you're sleeping in a good position to where your uh, spine is parallel to your bed, because this is sitting the stage for that ritual, right? And so you have enough pillows. So like, if you feel like your spine is kind of, you know, or someone tells you who's whoever your partner is, um, that your spine kind of like your kind of like crooked here, then you can put a small pillow under that area so that it's more even. You can also buy more memory foam, which will do the same thing. Um, and you can insert pillows in between your knees, underneath your neck, you know, exactly something like that. You can also for, you know, um, the things about sleep that are so important is that there's four stages. And in those four stages of sleep, the magic happens in the third and fourth stage. So the first and second stage are the first 10 to 20, 30 minutes max. And then you go into deep sleep. And deep sleep, third, third cycle, and, but the fourth cycle is where you restore, you repair, and you revitalize. So if you can get enough of that deep sleep, then that has a huge amount of benefit. So getting in that comfortable position, being able to fall asleep easier by doing things like using uh, white noise or binaural beats, you can do a breathing technique that you breathe in for four seconds, you hold it for seven seconds, and you uh, exhale for eight seconds. And you repeat that type of breathing and your body can naturally relax into it. There's a lot of other things that you can do for a ritual. You can turn your computer off, for instance. You can, if you have to use your computer, there's specific glasses that you can use that block um, that blue light and, don't, and doesn't stimulate your brain so that when you turn your computer off, take the glasses off, it's over. I mean, like you don't have any of that reaction. Then there's 
things like hydrating. I said hydration before. And so the, you know, and you've got to take a look at the, um, besides the in the stages of sleep, you know, it improves your concentration and improves your learning. That's why you like listen to like, um, like language tapes before you go to sleep. And, you know, in order to stay in that deep sleep, you really need to have do things like also like eye mask are a good thing to do having a cool room that's not less than 65 degrees, eating clean, you know, and meditating is helpful, exercising. So if you can't sleep, doing some yoga poses or just, you know, doing some simple stretches is really great to do that. But the state, that stage in deep sleep, what I think is quite cool is that it helps the brain detoxify. It's the highest, one in four o'clock in the morning is usually when people are the most exhausted. And so if you wake up and you can't get back to sleep, that's when you would do the white noise. But the thing is, that's your highest levels of melatonin. So taking melatonin during the daytime doesn't help you take at those melatonin levels at night. So a lot of people still report to me that like they've tried melatonin and it doesn't work. And it's, it's like, well, you're not taking it. I mean, and plus when you take it, it offsets another chemical. So like, it's the, you know, like this happens, the next thing happens, you know? And so you've got to like tie in those pieces of the puzzle for that. And the other thing is, is that it helps blood sugar levels, you know, balance out. So people who have been like type two diabetes, they always tell me that they get up in the middle of the night and they, they have really hard time falling back to sleep. So to get into that deeper sleep, you've got to, to you know, you've, you've got to get rid of the stress. You've got to establish that sleep ritual of going to sleep at the same time, getting up at the same time, being in comfortable clothing, you know, or whatever you wear you know, to go to sleep um, is a really good um, thing. Also have water next to your bed. And if you can't sleep, you know, I have a, I, you know, what I talk to people about is, hey, this is what you can do. Ask yourself this question. Is there anything I can do about the reason why I can't go to sleep? If you're ruminating about stuff and the mind can't shut off. And if there is, then get up and do it. You know, and if there isn't, then just get up and write down a bunch of notes or dictate, you know, into your voice on your telephone and then shut your phone off and put it across the room and give yourself the permission to go to sleep. A lot of times people don't realize that they, you know, when they give their body permission and actually listens to them. And also when, you know, there's uh, three brains and one of the brains is the lizard brain, you know, or the, the very, um, you know, prime primitive brain. And then there's the mammalian brain. And then um, there's the third brain is also like they're reactionary and to, and they're also rational. So when the lizard brain wins is when you get up and can't go back to sleep. When you're using the reason with the reactionary brain, like, okay, so I'm up. So what can I do? That's what, how you piece that together. So those two work together and it makes, it quells the lizard brain from controlling your life. And then that's why you do affirmations also when you first get up in the morning, because the lizard brain's tired and, you know, and you're, and you're more open. And also when you go to sleep at night. So those, you know, and, and they work together in, court, um, in harmony and sometimes, um, but you have to really be on top of the lizard brain for sure. <laughs> so you learn something new every day. I've now learned about the lizard brain. First time I've yep. heard of that. Really? Yes. A, I can't remember the author who coined the, that brain, the lizard brain, but I, I, when, I, when I hear people telling me they're struggling with certain things, I said, I go, you know, they, um, in Boston, they say this a lot, like the guy on the left shoulder the guy on the right shoulder who are you listening to <clears throat> i always say the guy on the left shoulder is the lizard brain 
And the guy on the right shoulder is the guy who's telling you the right thing to do. And then you just have to tie that in with the good emotion. You know, and I use tapping sometimes with people who like they struggle with that. I said, as soon as you have something great happen to you, just tap yourself on the shoulder and knock them off. You know, we've been talking to Dr. Pat Ballone and we'll be right back after a short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com again that's jeff spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com voice america is where you are and where you want to be join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available don't forget to view all our live events including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events The White House doctor makes house calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hear, just be you, a lot these days. But who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show, hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Listening to Next Steps Forward. To reach Chris Meek or his guest on the show today, please call in to 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Or send an email to Chris at nextstepsforward.com. Now, back to this week's show. All right, we are back with health and wellness expert, Dr. Pat Ballone. Doctor, we're discussing COVID's impact earlier. You said the COVID-19 virus is just that, just simply a virus. And what really matters is how our body is equipped to react. Clearly, we've seen that demonstrated with the way that it has especially hit people with underlying conditions such as diabetes, high blood pressure, or heart condition. But COVID has also claimed many people without those conditions. 
How does an otherwise healthy person's immune system become overwhelmed by a virus? And what are some extra steps we can take to help boost our immunity? Well, you know, the, um, one of my mentors in um, functional medicine is Jeff Bland. He has a PhD and, you know, you could ask him a question and he'll start talking and the next thing you know, he'll be on a tangent. <laughs> and he's wonderful at that. And you like learn so much, but you're thinking, wait a minute, what happened to the original question? So he always said, you know, when um, he spoke about COVID, he specifically, you know, like explained why the virus is just a virus. And the thing is, is that there, we've been, we have exposure to so many viruses um, and you know, and through our lifetime, I mean, they first discovered COVID somewhere around that it existed in the late 50s, early 60s. And viruses by nature mutate and they mutate all the time. So that's why you have a flu virus for, you know, 2010, 11, 12, all the way up into 2020. And, you know, and you'll always have them because they keep on morphing out. So the virus is how, you know, when somebody comes in contact with the virus, the first place they come in contact with the virus is in the back of the throat and in the mucous membranes. In Chinese medicine, that's still considered an exterior situation. Um, in China, how the Chinese describe an exterior, an in-between, or an interior situation. And in that situation, you know, you, like you have a lot of opportunity to do something about the virus because it hasn't had an ability to, or invasiveness, to affect your immune system. And when I was talking before about all the organs functioning the way they're supposed to and in the system organ system as a Swiss watch, you know, if you have an area of that, your health that is being challenged, it will eventually affect your immune system. So when COVID enters the body, based upon my understanding, and it affects the immune system, your immune system goes into overpower and because it doesn't want it there. And so, because it's invasive. And, you know, so the virus, you know, it's in and of itself is just a virus. It's how your body has the opportunity to respond to the virus, which tells you all about your immune system. And a lot of people have no clue that they're sick. So them responding very drastically, or in some cases, depending upon your age and other things that going on, because anytime that I've heard when somebody had, um, you know, they died from complications or they just said they died of COVID. I always ask, well, what was their health like? You know, and, and a lot of times people don't pay attention to their health until they hit 40, you know, and they start having first symptoms. So you've had things like brewing below the surface for a long time if you haven't been taking care and haven't been mindful about how to keep the pieces of the puzzle together. I mean, if you look at a iceberg, iceberg is just, you know, like, oh, it looks small, but you don't know how much below the surface what's going on with that. I mean, it certainly was devastating for the Titanic um, when it hit that iceberg and it sunk, something that they said would never be able to sink. But it's, it's like that for, you know, people too. So it's so important to be mindful of your immune system and, and then be mindful of like what's causing the problem with the immune system. And then you can fortify that organ system in relationship to the other 11 organ systems that are existing. So I hope that explained that. Great, thank you. So why has the pandemic, particularly the resulting isolation we've experienced over the past year now, affected people's mental and emotional health to the extent that it has? 
Well, you know, if you go back to the third reason why people get sick, um, you know, which is thoughts, you know, it's just like the first thing that happens is like, you're going, oh my God, you know, um, I'm going to get it. <laughs> I mean, if you listen to the media, you know, they're going to tell you you're going to get it and every, it's going, it's everywhere. And it is probably everywhere, you know, it's been around for a long time. But the question is, is this like how your body responds to that? Because some people could have exposure and it's a non-event. Other people have an exposure and it's a deadly event. Um, so that, um, that aspect of, um, of your immune system in relationship to the exposure is important. I mean, for instance, I didn't say this before, but when in Chinese medicine, when you're looking at symptoms, when you first, and anybody who has the flu or getting a really bad cold, they first have clear mucus. And you know, you, can't, you know, I got that tickle in my throat. Something's happening here. I've got clear mucus. When it starts to go interior, you know, and, you know, sometimes it goes interior and kind of tries to bounce back out because your body's trying to get rid of it. The mucus turns into something a little bit frothy, maybe a little bit white. You know, it's only when it goes into, into your body and we've all had that really bad cold experience where it's like icky green, yellow, some gray color, you know, of something that's going on and it's collecting phlegm because the mucus is now exposed to a lot of heat and fever. So it cons uh, consolidates. Um, so you have, you have to take a look at like, you know, what, what are those, you know, because if you paid attention, you could do something a lot sooner about that and other things too. We've also been told that the loss of human interaction has been especially difficult on young people. Do you agree with that premise? And if so, why? Well, we're social beings. I mean, we're supposed to hug and kiss, you know, shake hands, you know, go play baseball, slap each other on the back. I mean, we've all, human beings, if like, if it wasn't for each other, we wouldn't exist. If it wasn't for Florence Nightingale, we wouldn't have the population we have right now because Florence Nightingale is the person who said, you got to wash your hands between each birth, each delivery, you know, which helps sustain life and help improve the quality of that experience. So you started having people live longer, better and healthier because of sanitation. And, you know, so, you know, and, and even with the COVID virus, the first thing they tell you to do is wash your hands, but I don't see washing hand stations in Wegmans or any of those places, like any other grocery store, either Kroger's or whoever, um, where people, when they come in, they can have that experience where they can wash their hands and then wash their hands on the way out. I mean, it's, it's, it's important to be mindful of where the exposure is highest at and, you know, and then take extra precaution for that, no matter what your age is, no matter who you are. I read an article a few weeks ago that the Las Vegas school district, which is the fifth largest in the country, had to reopen schools because of the spike in teen suicide. What should we be doing differently to help young people through this extremely challenging and unprecedented period? I think, you know, we have to go back to their parents and, um, and one of the things is we have to, if you lead by example, if I'm a parent and my job is to raise my kids, then my strong character, my lead is important in what my kids learn, think, do, feel, and how they interact socially, mentally, physically, and emotionally. And so by giving them a basis of like, you know, a, a strong foundation 
You know, you've got to go back and look at, you know, where that crack is. And you have to have communication. People don't talk anymore. People don't say, like, what's, you know, like, tell me what's going on. I mean, I used to have parents all the time tell me something about their kid when I was treating them. And they would say, I really can't stand his girlfriend. When he comes home, whatever it is, can you talk to him, Dr. Pat? You know, I'm like, that's none of my business. But, you know, I would say like, hey, your mom told me you got a girlfriend. And um, he would say, blah, blah, blah. Do you like her? You know, I'm asking a 16-year-old kid, do you think you're going to marry her? And they're going, oh, heck no. I'm going, well, then great. I said, you might want to tell your mom that. <laughs> so, and then I would work on them. But I think that's, there's, a, there's a, that component of, you know, you know, being leaders, you know, in your own home and, you know, and being with your children, you know, and not just like, you know, like playing games with them on separate tablets, but doing things interactively, you know, and, you know, and making them, because when people feel special and people feel heard, I don't care what age you are, you know, their likelihood of survival is a lot higher than, you know, than somebody who's isolated. And, and look at the situation with the numbers in the nursing homes with people who are, you know, sick or ill and even have COVID. They're like, their survivor, like that being isolated is not good for anybody. You know, there's not that human component, which, you know, that it means so much for people sometimes just to have someone just touch their shoulder, you know, or just say like when listening to somebody and shut up and listen to them and just say, you know, like, I hear you. I understand. What can I do to make it better for you? You know, so then you're like having a, a real interchange. I think there's a, you know, I, I think that the social aspect, even with teenagers, even with adults, with anybody is an important component every day of our life. And I think that, you know, that smile goes a long way. You can't tell if someone's smiling behind the mask. Um, but, you know, it, it's, you know, you have to, I'm smiling, <laughs> you know, and have, you know, your eyes light up or, or something. But I, I think that component's really missing. And I think that straight across the board, and no matter where you're at, that isolation, you know, makes you feel more isolated. And for some people, isolation is a good thing for other people you know, they can't survive with that. They need to interaction. They need to have the TV on, you know, and hopefully they don't have all the media on. <laughs> That's a problem. So let's try and flip to a positive here. Okay. We as human beings, to your point earlier, we like to believe there's a silver lining in every dark cloud and that they often give us opportunities to improve individually, as society, as a nation. Is there any silver lining to be found in the COVID-19 pandemic? And how can we as individuals or society get better as a result of it? Well, you know, I think in a silver lining or on a positive note is that, you know, this pandemic for families um, have, you know, or whoever your, you know, quote unquote family is, has brought people together. Like they, you know, are you, are you doing okay? Can I get you anything? Like the lady that lives next door who doesn't have any, you know, like doesn't have any family, might be completely all alone, having someone check in on her you know, doing something sweet, bring her some flowers, you know, something to like that's cheerful, you know, and let her know someone's keeping an eye on her. I think that's very comforting for a lot of people. And, um, and, and also, you know, and, you know, when you're offering something, be offering it from your heart, you know, and 
like so that people because I've, I've done grocery shopping for people and left bags on you know their front doorstep you know it's like what else do you need and then I'm thinking well maybe they might like this also so I just like throw in you need eggs let's have some extra eggs and you know whatever it is so that um you know that that they have you know that they feel that they're heard because when someone feels heard they respond an amount anybody who feels that they're heard they feel more interactive you mentioned earlier in our conversation hydration yes and it seems like one of the big things we can do to be healthier and perform at a higher level is quite simply to drink more water and stay hydrated why do so many people walk around dehydrated and what are some of the reasons to make it so difficult for us to stay hydrated? Well, here's the funny thing about water. Well, first off for hydration, you should have half your body weight. So if you weigh 150 pounds, you should drink a minimum of seven, 75 ounces of water a day. And so some people don't like the taste of water. Stop drinking tap water. Tap water has chlorine and it also has fluorine in it. And fluorine is a neurotoxin, so you shouldn't have it anyway. It's also in your toothpaste um, if you're buying traditional brands. But water is important because if you like, you know, if you're starting to get sick, it's a good thing to drink because it will flush your system out, you know, and it, you have to, in, when I, um, you know, in practice, I've seen so many people as a chiropractor who have injuries because they're dehydrated. So, and it's hard for sometimes for people to drink water because when you drink water and if you can't see the bottom of the glass and, that you're drinking in, then what happens is when it hits your nose, psychologically, it tells you that you're drowning. So then you, drink air in also, which makes your stomach feel upset. So people tell me, you know, water makes my stomach upset, you know, and I said, so put lemon in it and drink it from a, you know, a container that has a wide, you know, top to it so that when you, you can see the bottom of it or drink it in a, you know, in a container, like a liter and a half container that has a straw in it so that you're not drinking any air in it. And you'll be able to drink a lot more water. Hydration is important. It's important for sleep. It's important, you know, it's just everyday, you know, normal stuff. You're, you're, you have to have liquid and liquids in your body that bathe your body so the organs can move on top of each other very easily. I mean, there's, that's just a very simplistic explanation. Well, then you'll be happy to know my wife has done her homework through all this and she's invested in the big uh, the mason jars uh, huh? to drink out of and a water cooler system. So I'm glad uh, we're trying to do our part. Yeah, it's, it's important, you know, it's, it's the, um, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, there's, the, you know, the, um, there's a company called Amari and they uh, focus quite a lot on mental health and things because like, they look at the gut brain reaction in that aspect. And it's so important to like, you know, make sure that you have fluids in your system so that the foods that you're eating are getting absorbed or they're supposed to get absorbed and, you know, and you, and you stay hydrated. That gut brain is a big, is a big access. So if something as basic as staying hydrated is a challenge, eating clean is a Herculean task for us. So same question. <laughs> Why is it so hard for people to eat healthy? Well, people don't know what to eat. They don't know how to cook. They don't know how to choose food. And they don't know how to eat food and how to put it together. So if they did, you know, they would be healthier just by nature. So, you know, there's certain food plans that are out there that make it easier than others. And people also are that, you know, they're in denial. I mean, they want, when they go out and they're traveling, McDonald's looks like a good choice because they're everywhere and they're easy on, easy off highways. Um, you know, and they're usually, you know, there's, there's not that great long line, you know, in order to get it. 
so there is, you know, you, the eating, you know, I have like some Dr. Pat rules, like don't eat anything white. And then you know, the other thing is, it's like, if you make a mistake, fix it with your next meal. Um, but, you know, primarily eating things that are vegetables and proteins, you know, light on the light on the fruits because people like sugar, and sugar is evil. <laughs> I don't, I don't mean that quote unquote, but the, um, you know, there's things that people have a, a problem with their sweet tooth is because their, you know, sugar is supposed to be more addictive than cocaine. <laughs> I mean, you have a pro- there's a big problem with you know sweets in this country, Italy, a lot of places. People just gravitate towards them because it has that feeling of feeling good. So my mother, when I was growing up, didn't give us sweets as a reward. She said, "Go pick a you know a stalk of rhubarb and eat that." or have a tomato. So I never grew up with like, you know, you know, three musketeers or Mars, you know, candy. I just never grew up with that. And I never, I don't really gravitate towards that. But if somebody has sugar issues where they have a difficult time getting off breads and things like those kind of foods, you've got to read ingredients and you've got to look at how foods, you know, really pair together so that you get the best nutrients out of it. I could so go I, on. I have to ask the question because my wife and I get into an argument about this all the time. Is there really much difference between organic foods and those that aren't? Um, years ago, there wasn't. You know, when my mother grew up, my mother's food was org- organic. The seeds were alive. They weren't GMO seeds. And, um, and they were, you know, and they used like natural fertilizer, like horse manure or cow manure or something like that. When they tilled the backyard, they went and specifically bought dirt that had that in it we don't have that anymore we have foods that are altered that are um that are like they're genetically modified so that they last longer and then you have those foods that are genetically modified being sprayed with roundup (laughs) which you know um they there's big issues with roundup and types of um like lymphomas and hodgkins and you know other cancers so you know, is there a difference? There's a huge difference. And I think that you're like, if you have the ability to anytime that you have the ability to, to buy organic over, uh, and especially if you're want to change your constitution and have better health, then buying organic over non-organic foods is essential. Earlier in the show, you mentioned gut health. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm just recently seeing come to sort of I'll call it mainstream media news articles, you know, specifically around mental and physical health. Mm-hmm. You've suggested there's a connection between gut health and mental illness. Could you connect the dots for us, please? I can. Um, when I'm going to give you a biology lesson <laughs> on function, <laughs> and when you eat food, it has to go to your gut. And there's certain chemicals and certain. Um, you know, uh, bacterias that are in your gut that are supposed to be there that handle certain foods. When you eat food that is poorly situated for yourself, you're going to interfere with the acid in the stomach and you're going to interfere with the one cell lining in the gut. When that lining gets damaged for whatever reason, what happens is that food that you eat seeps out into the blood system and then has to go to the liver because the liver does the function of detoxification. It doesn't detoxify. You can never detoxify the liver and you don't want to purge it anyway. And so it goes from the liver and from the liver, what happens is with those toxins, the idea of what the liver does is that I'm going to get rid of them and out of your system. So how I do that is if you ate things like cruciferous vegetables, like, or more vegetables, green leafy vegetables, you know, then those toxins kind of act like epoxy glue for 
of that and they tie together. And then when the toxins go back into the intestinal tract, that roughage carries them out of your body. Or if the molecule is small enough, it goes to the kidney and it goes to the bladder to be eliminated from the body. When it can't do that and the liver keeps on getting overwhelmed, what happens is that it starts to store those toxins in blood, brain, bone, and fat. And when that happens, they go deep. And so you, then what people happen is people keep on eating sugar. They keep on eating foods that they have reactivity to for whatever reason. And they keep on damaging the gut more and more and more and more. And then what happens is that the liver keeps on, you know, getting overwhelmed and it will always send it to your weakest link first. And then it will, you know, and then when the weakest link by that time, you probably have some level of a diagnosis. Then it goes on to another one. That's how things metastasize and move throughout the body. Was that helpful? Very. Uh, you know, so, Dr. Pat, I saw a list of things on your website we can do for self-care, including getting plenty of sleep, reading, tidying up our house or office, walking, biking, and so on. How can people find your website, and what should they expect to find there? They can find my website. It's called Health Team Network. Dot com. And on the front page, if you have a question from today, feel free to leave me a message on my mic. I have a, if you scroll down, you'll see my book, Why Are You Sick, Fat, and Tired? You'll also see um, a mic, which you can click on and you can verbally ask me a question and it will come to my email and I will be able to get back to you and answer those questions. And there's blogs, you know, there's, you know, there's other things that are on my, you know, typical things that are on a web page. But my goal is to be able to share a couple of videos and tell you about myself so that, you know, um, you know, that I'm legitimate and I can, you know, I can help you live longer, better, healthier, and we could work together perhaps. Fantastic. Dr. Papillon, thanks so much for being with us today. You're welcome. I love and being here. Appreciate your time. Again. No, thank you. <laughs> And thanks to our audience for tuning in to Next Steps Forward. I'm Chris Meek. For more details about upcoming shows and guests, please follow me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Chris Meek Public Figure. We'll be back next Tuesday, same time, same place, with another leader from the world of business, politics, sports, or entertainment. Until then, stay safe and keep taking your next steps forward. Thanks for tuning in to Next Steps Forward. Be sure to join Chris Meek for another great show next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, make things happen in your life.